Thank you, Vanessa. Hot! I'm not going to take my shirt off. <laughs> Good night. I can't believe you just said that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, hey, uh, if folks are uh, turning on, on uh, the podcast or watching on uh, television or whatever, and you're thinking to yourself, man, that guy looks really scuzzy. Well, it's because we just had a worship service. And I just had a workout. <laughs> Don't take a picture of scuzzy. Uh, sweat hog. I'm a sweat hog anyways. But after a, a good dance before the Lord, you guys, that is, it, we just need to, whatever hangups we have about, I don't know, what people are going to think or whatever nonsense, get over it. Uh, it it's, it's about freedom. And, uh, and just, it's not that you get any points because you do or don't or anything like that. It's just whatever's in your spirit to do, uh, feel free to do it. And, and it's about being poured out before God and celebrating. And I find that what you do with your body affects your spirit and vice versa. And so the more you can express it on the outside, what is true on the inside, uh, the more you find... I'm trying to organize my notes here. That's why I'm kind of buying time here. Um, it's just a mess today, I'll tell you. This is... Uh, I, I wanted to summarize and review all of the Beatitudes that we've been going through and uh, contrast them with the flesh attributes and show how living in the kingdom contrasts with the world. I was going to do a review of all eight attri- uh, Beatitudes, contrasted with eight aspects of the flesh, and I got through three of them, <laughs> uh, the first two services. So I'm really... Uh, but you know, it's all right. As long as you get the pattern, see what I'm... I'm, I'm See what I'm talking about? You'll, you'll get something out of it, I think, hopefully. hopefully. Um, well, so we're finishing up this series uh, on the, the Blessed Revolution and the Beatitudes and uh, what Jesus is getting at. And uh, we saw that the Beatitudes are like, well, let me, let me illustrate it this way. I was uh, meeting somebody at a hotel, uh, somebody I had never met before, and he'd never met me, and weren't, he wasn't, we weren't quite sure how... You know, we, we, we look. So uh, it's one of these things where you got to go and you're looking for somebody who's looking for you, but you're not, you know what they look like, they don't know what you look like. So you're kind of looking at everybody with these questioning eyes, and some people are getting mad because they think you're scouting them out or something. It's like, no, I didn't mean that. I just, but uh, so I, I'm, I'm there at the hotel, me and this guy, he's kind of a big muckety muck. Um, I get there a few minutes early, and all of a sudden, and this is like, uh, I guess, a, a, a post 50 year old deal, but all of a sudden, I've got to go to the bathroom. And I think I remember I, I knew that. <laughs> so I, I knew that, and then I forgot that I had to go. And so you, you sort of like put it off, put it off, and then all of a sudden, you really got to go. So I'm there, and I'm afraid that if I go, he's going to show up, and I'm not there, so he's going to think I forgot about it or something. So I, I want to do this quick. So I go over to the, the hotel clerk person behind the desk, and I say, hey, uh, can you tell me where the bathrooms are? Um, where the restrooms are, which I always thought was bizarre. Why do we call them restrooms? They, they don't call them that in London. And you're, you're, no one, who rests there in the bathroom? If you're resting in the bathroom, you're misusing it. <laughs> hey, buddy, hurry up. What, are you sleeping in there? Yeah, it's a restroom. Uh, it's a potty room. We all know that. So I was looking for the potty room. And uh, I go to this guy, and, and, and he must be new at the place or something. I don't know. But he says, uh, well, okay, uh, you go down the, 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 the corridor here. And then take a right, and you'll go down past two halls. Oh, no, 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 wait, you take a left. Yeah, you go left, and you go past two halls, and then you're going to take a right. And you'll go down. No, you know what? No, you don't take a left. You do go right. So, okay, go in the corridor, and then you take a right. Go down to two, and you'll see this vase there. And then you take a left, and, and then go a little far. And then finally he goes, you know what? Just follow the signs. Just follow the signs. 
the signs, you see that sign over there? And there was a restroom sign. Just follow that and it will lead you right to it. So I go, oh, thank you, thank you. So I follow the sign. It says take a left. I go down a couple uh, little ways. There's another sign. I go to the bathroom, take a right. And then I ran out of signs. There's no more signs anywhere. So I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Uh, and fortunately, this lady who was a cleaning lady came through and I, I came along and I said, ma'am, can you tell me what the bathrooms are? And she was right around the corner. You'll find uh, the, the, the bathrooms over there. So the point of that very edifying uh, story is, uh, one, go to the bathroom when you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. Don't put things off, especially if you're over 50. You don't know when the, that uh, alarm button's going to hit. But number two, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I really did not intend that. <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, It actually has to do with the Beatitudes. I'm serious. I'm trying to preach here, all right? Go. And uh, here's the thing we've been saying, that the Beatitudes are like these signs. They're not ethical statements about what we're trying to try to do, uh, things we're supposed to crank out. The Beatitudes, rather, are, are indications that we're going down the right track. If we're following Jesus and learning how to surrender everything to him and learning how to live according to his will, not our own will, learning how to crucify our flesh. As we do that, we will see the Beatitudes being manifested in our life. Porn spirit, mourning, meekness. And they're, 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 they're the attributes of somebody who is uh, going down the right road. It's an indication, a road sign that you're on the right path. And as we're on this uh, revolutionary road, it leads us to the eternal kingdom. The eternal kingdom is, is the promise, the reward for all of those Beatitudes. In fact, I, I didn't mention this, this before, but you may have noticed that the first Beatitude and the last Beatitude, are they both specify that the reward is the kingdom of heaven. And that's important because what it means is Jesus is using a rhetorical device that's called an inclusio. And so that everything that's sandwiched between the first and the last statements is also the kingdom of heaven. All of the blessings that Jesus give here are simply different ways of saying the kingdom of God. Uh, different ways of just uh, uh, aspects of the kingdom of God. And so that is the reward for, for uh, living a life that manifests these beatitudes. But the reward isn't an external reward, a reward that doesn't have anything to do with the activity that got you there. It's not like your mother giving you cookies because you ate your vegetables, or it's not like uh, winning a prize because you ran a fast race. Uh, those are external rewards. They have nothing to do with the activity itself. But see, in the kingdom, the reward is a natural outgrowth of living a certain way. Um, it, it, God doesn't give it to us on, like an outside thing. It grows out of uh, living in the kingdom. It's, it's simply this. If we cultivate a life that is in sync with God now, our life will be in sync with God later when God reigns over all things. There's coming a time, the Bible promises us, where God will be all in all. And... Uh, that means everything that is in the kingdom will be consistent with God, will reflect God's love and character, and, and everything that's inconsistent will be gone. And so if we get our lives in sync with God now, we'll be in sync with God later. Um, and as we go down this, this, this path, the organic path that leads naturally, organically to the kingdom, that's the reward, our life is going to contrast with much of the normal of this world. Because the normal of this world is not in sync with God. Right? Uh, you can't manifest the kingdom without bumping up against 
A lot of everything in this world that's out of sync with God's will. We're manifesting what it is to be in sync with God's will. Well, you're going to bump up against, contrast with, revolt against everything that's not in sync with this world. We live in a fallen world. It's oppressed by demonic powers. Uh, the air we breathe is, is, is polluted. I'm talking about spiritual pollution. Uh, there is, this world is a war zone between good and evil. And, and there is the deceptive fog of war all around us. And so until a person is illuminated by the Holy Spirit, has their eyes opened, uh, and they yield to the Spirit to have this revelation, until that point, people are blind. To one degree or another, they're blind. And so they live out of sync with God. People who aren't illuminated by the Holy Spirit, they don't really see the true God, and they, they don't have a, the understanding of who they truly are and who other people truly are because of the cross, and they don't have a clear understanding about what's going on in this world, what the purpose of life is. Most folks are just trying to survive. In the, in the fog of deception, they, it's all a mystery, so they maybe believe this or that, but they, 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 they just kind of survive. And this is what Paul calls living in the flesh. That phrase, he uses it a lot, the flesh. The flesh doesn't refer to our skin. The flesh refers to a deceptive way of living, a deceptive way of looking at the world. It's sarks in Greek. And, and uh, insofar as anyone's worldview is out of sync with truth, and insofar as their life is out of sync with truth, they're living in the flesh. It is living as though what is true is not true, and as though what is not true is true. That's the flesh. The flesh is living as though there was no God, and as though Jesus Christ wasn't Lord. It's living as though it was appropriate for you to be Lord of your own life, boss of your own life, doing your own thing, calling your own shots. It's living life as though this life was all there was. And people may believe that there's an afterlife, but they're not sure about it, and so they live as though there wasn't. Um, it's uh, the, the life where we're just trying to grab all that we can grab here and now. It's, you only go through life once. And see... Just as the, the Beatitudes are a natural outgrowth of living a kingdom life, well, if you're living a flesh life, there'll be a natural outgrowth of that as well. And those are called works of the flesh. And uh, the works of the flesh really are anything. If you look around the world here, you'll see a lot of brokenness, a lot of destruction, a lot of things that aren't reflective of God's will. All of that is the result, an outgrowth of the flesh. All the hostility, the anger, the hatred... Uh, all the immorality, all the fighting, all the selfishness and narcissism, all the hoarding, all the injustice, it's all a reflection of the flesh. And just like going down the road, uh, the kingdom road, and manifesting the Beatitudes leads to life, that road leads to death. And all of the outgrowths, the works of the flesh, are manifestations of that death. Uh, if this life is going in a way that is in sync with God, then the flesh life is going in a way that's out of sync with God. And to be out of sync with God is to be separated from God. And to be separated from God is to be separated from the source of all life, which is why that road leads to death, irrevocable death. In, in, in my view, it's, it's, uh, it's the loss of all that is good, the loss of the opportunity to live in the kingdom. It is hell. And the outgrowth, the works of the flesh... We might think about it like this. If, if the going this road in the kingdom way is on the road to life, the Beatitudes are like the aroma of life. The aroma, the smell, the sweet smell of life, fullness, God's life, as we're on our way to the full life. The flesh is a manifestation of the stench of death on the way to death. And so to live in the kingdom means we will be contrasting with that. It is the, the, man, the, the aroma of life in a world that to a large degree, as we all know, has the smell of death. Uh, it, it is uh, to manifest the opposite of what is in the world. The contrast is all important. 
Because that's how we're salt and light to this world. And as we manifest a different way of living with different values and different attitudes, folks are either going to be pulled towards it because they're hungry for that, or they're repelled by it. And that can result in persecution, as I'll say here a little bit later on. It's the, it's the contrast. That's why we call this a revolution. And so th- this message is going to be called the blessed revolution. It's the blessedness of the revolution. I want to look at how the, rev- the kingdom revolts against the, the flesh and how going down a certain road uh, leads to, well, yeah, as, you, as you revolt against all that is, is a matter of the flesh, you're on the road that's blessed. And I want to look at the blessedness as opposed to the destructive works of the flesh. I, I had intended to do this with all eight of the Beatitudes, but clearly I'm not going to have time to do that. In fact, our clock's not working. Uh-oh, that's bad. That's bad. Um, that the, 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 I, I want to show, I, I was going to do it for all eight. As it is, I'll try to get to three. We'll see how this goes. But you'll get the pattern. So the pattern I want to do is this. First, I'll show some aspect of kingdom living. Uh, this is the beatitude. When you're living in the kingdom, it's going it to be one of the beatitudes. And I'll contrast that with flesh living. Some aspect of the works of the flesh. And then I'll show how the kingdom living leads to blessedness. The eternal kingdom will reign with God and all the beautiful things that are the result of that. And then I'll show how flesh living uh, leads to judgment. And we'll see how, how many of these we, we get through. So, uh, Heavenly Father, give me the gift of succinctness, which I clearly lack. <laughs> uh, God, give me the gift of succinctness. And, uh, Father, open up our minds and hearts. Uh, I pray that the spirit that was here in, in worship, this beautiful spirit and freedom, would permeate this message and uh, would, would uh, God, find a, a, a fertile ground in our hearts and our minds. For our, our wonderful pod parishioners, God, we bless them. And we pray, God, that, that this message would land on them. And, and all of it, God, help us to be manifesting. More, more, more passionately follow Jesus and more perfectly manifest the beauty of these beatitudes in a world that stinks of death. Help us to be life and life-giving. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, let's do the first beatitude. Uh, it's about being poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For there, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, poor in spirit, we saw some time ago, is about being, it's the absence of self-reliance. It is, uh, in the message they translated, being at the end of your rope. Um, you've given up trying to just do life on your own. You know your dependency on God and in an appropriate way your dependency on other, others. Poor in spirit. And so that con- contrasts with a fundamental aspect of life in the flesh, which is independence. And the kingdom life where we learn how to be dependent on God and one another, that leads, that is part of the road that leads to the blessed kingdom, the eternal kingdom. Whereas the flesh living, when we're independent, it leads to manifestations of, of destruction. It contributes to the, 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 the brokenness of this world. It, it has a stench of death to it. So that independent living, we'll see here in a moment, leaves us empty on the inside and produces all sorts of isolation. It produces all sorts of conflict as well. We can't manifest the, the, the beatitude of being poor in spirit without confronting this fundamental feature of the fallen world. In the fog of deception that people are in, we forget. We forget that, that we rely on God. Everything depends on God. We forget that. We act as though we're self-existent, as though we can exist on our own. And so God isn't much on the mind of folks insofar as they're in the flesh. We're not mindful of this. We take things for granted. We, we, we don't give thanks for things. Sometimes folks have this almost entitlement idea that uh, life owes them something. We forget that we're totally dependent on God, and in this flesh mindset, we don't want to be dependent on one another. 
in the fallen deception of the flesh, we tend to admire folks who are independent, folks who don't need anybody, folks who can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. We, we associate that with strength. And folks who really need other people, uh, we, we tend to think of as weak. I think especially here in America, we have a culture that is just deeply rooted in the sense of independence. Um, and we admire this. And, and we have a right. We have a right. To, uh, no one to interfere with my business. My business is my business, not your business. Get your nose out of my business because it's my business, not your business. Uh, and we have a right to defend ourselves and blah, 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 blah. But see, that way of living, that way of thinking is totally out of sync with God and totally out of sync with reality. It's living, and this is what the flesh is, it's living as though you didn't depend on God moment by moment. It's living as though you're on your own, as though you could call your own shots, as though you're the, the determiner of your own destiny, as though you could be lord of your own life. It's, it's, it's deception, and it contributes to the brokenness of the world. Because when we live independently, as though we're self-existent, not relying on God, we cut off, we cut off the flow of God's fullness of life into us. And that leaves us empty because we're created to hunger for God. So it leaves us empty. And this, this idea of independence shuts us off from other people. We end up being isolated and lonely. It's so sad. In, in our culture, I think uh, many folks have lost the understanding of how to have deep friendships. Uh, we're, we're barricaded. We don't, have our, we don't know our neighbors or... You know, we're all just in our own little cubby holes, and, and we don't know how to forge relationships where people really are involved in our life, where we can really get to the point where we, we need them and they need us, mutually dependent lives. And that isolation and that emptiness and that loneliness is the stench of death. It's part of the broken world. It is the natural consequence of having this flesh mindset, and it is a judgment of God. Not that God imposes it on the outside, I'm going to make you feel empty, but God created the world where if you live with that mindset, you're going to feel empty. And you're going to feel isolated and lonely. And that's not, that's not the life that God planned for us. But see, folks, we are to be, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, you're part of a tribe that is called to be in sync with God. This is what all discipleship is about. We're trying to get our mind and our heart and our lives and our wallets and everything about our lives to line up with God's priorities and values. And, and, we're, and so we're to have a life that's in line with God and in, in sync with, with reality. So we're to know, we're to know and really believe and, and really act like we are dependent on God, because we are. And we're to know that we need one another. We're to be the body of Christ, right? And the body of Christ, every part of the body of Christ, every part of your physical body needs every other part of the physical body. And so also in the body of Christ, we are to be interdependent. In the kingdom, we're not to be independent, we're to be interdependent. Having lives that intersect with one another. Not everybody, of course, but at least some group of people. That's what community is all about. That's what we're trying to do with our sojourners program and and things of that sort. And so in the kingdom, we're called to cultivate a, a, an attitude, a mindset that is always mindful of how we depend on God. This, this, it seems so small, but it's so huge. To think about throughout the day how every second you, you exist only because God is allowing you to exist. God is sustaining you by his word. The Bible tells us that. And, and so every breath you breathe is a gift from God. You just took another gift. And every, every thought you think, every heartbeat, every movement you make with your body is only because God is sustaining you and allowing you to make that movement. Uh, we are, everything depends on God. And there's things that we do to support our family, of course, and, and to get by, and God expects that, and the Bible tells us to. So we're not to be dependent in a way that we're like free loafers when we, we don't work when we could work. 
But we must never forget that we can only do that because God is giving us the ability to do that. Uh, if you've got a job, it's because God's given you the ability to have a job. If you see, it's because God gives you the ability to see. If you can hear, it's because God gives you the ability to hear. If you can walk, it's because God gives you the gift of walking. And if you can move your arms, it's because God gives you the gift of moving your arms. In fact, every good gift comes from the Father above, the Bible tells us. Every good gift. And there's a lot of things in this world, every free decision angels make and every free decision human makes, that interferes with those free gifts, how much of it we get or don't get. Well, there's a lot of factors that, that determine that. It's not about God just going eeny, meeny, miny, moe. He's, he's, he's pouring out gifts all the time. But insofar as anything broke through the fog of this deception and broke through the war zone and you were able to receive it, God gets the credit for it. And I, so I encourage us, here we are coming to Thanksgiving, to be a people who every day are mindful of our dependency. I, before I get out of bed, I try to remind myself of that. If I can put my foot on the floor, that's a gift of God. And if I'm going to breathe today, that's a gift of God. And it changes everything when, 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 when you are aware of, of the giftedness quality of your life. Uh, it, calls, it, it creates a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. I encourage you, if you're kind of a curmudgeon and, and kind of negative, and start thanking God for every good thing because it will change your attitude. See, but when we forget God, that's when we start to think that life owes us something. We become curmudgeons and negative and the glass is half empty instead of half full. Oh, it, it's so relieving to be able to, to, in this war zone, to be positive and to be giving God thanks for all that is, is uh, uh, coming to you. And then we need to cultivate relationships that, that, that where we are mutually dependent on one another. Um, it's good to need people. Barbara Streisand was right. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Yeah, I mean, see, that's a good thing. It goes against the grain of our culture, but it is good to need people. Not for your identity, not for your worth and, and your core sense of meaning. No, no, no. Don't suck life off of people. Get that from God. But to, in other ways, genuinely have appropriate relationships where you, you depend on one another. It starts, I think, with our marriages. We, we ought to have marriages where we depend on one another. Um, I, I am so dependent on my wife. So, so dependent on my wife. I need her. Honey, when you listen to this message, she couldn't be here today. But I'm telling you, honey, I need you. <laughs> I need you. Um, no, and it's not just for her love, though I do need her, do need her love, but... But uh, you guys, before I got married, you would, I, I was a train wreck. I, was, I wore two different shoes and didn't notice it. I had shirts inside out all the time. I, honestly, I, things were backwards. I lost everything. I still do that. Um, I, to the degree that I look appropriate at all, uh, it's because of her. Now, she's trained me real well. You know, ruff, ruff. I, I, I know. I no longer wear stripes and plaids, you know, and, and uh, stuff like that. But, uh, I, and she organizes my life, man. Uh, I, she, she is, I don't have an organizational cell in my brain. It, it's all, she organizes it, keeps me on track. It's a hard job. Uh, in fact, the other day, on Thursday, honestly, she, she said to me, um, uh, Greg, I want to, I, I took a break from my writing, came down, and she always seizes those opportunities. Oh, good, a break, I can talk to him. And so she said, I want to show you some things in case I go before you. There's some things you need to know. It's like, is it, honey, is, is this a prophecy or something? <laughs> and then she took me uh, up to the, the, this closet where she has two files, and she starts showing me all these files, like where the tax returns are, and, da, da, and you're going to need this, and here's this insurance stuff, blah, 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 and here's where our mortgage stuff is, blah, 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 and here's where the warranties are, and, and two files, long files, I mean, file chests of, of organizational stuff. I didn't know life was so complex. Man, that's, that's terrible. I go, you do all, all this she goes, oh, you need to know this. If I die, 
then you, you, know, you need to know where this stuff is. And it's like, honey, you, you know, after 10 minutes, I tell her, you lost me nine minutes ago. I'm never going to remember this. <laughs> and so the deal is, you're just not allowed to die. All right, that's the deal. You, I go first. <laughs> if you go first, I'm going to be, lock me up. It's, it's going to be hopeless. But see, it's good to need folks like that. And then not just our, our families, but, but have kingdom communities where we really are interdependent. I think Shelly and I are so blessed to have a community of kingdom folks where we've learned how to just lean on one another. I mean, we have helped one another's, I, I, save each other's marriage. Um, every one of us, we take turns having blow-ups, you know, it's like... <laughs> And, and, and we we're there to help with that, and we help raise each other's kids, and, and there's been times where we help each other pay the bills, you know, and um, uh, whatever the need is, fix garage doors, you know, and, and all of that. But see, that's good. That is the way life is supposed to be lived. And so I encourage us to be cultivating a mindset where we're aware of our dependency on God and to be uh, asking God and, and, and seeking for wisdom on how to begin to, if you don't already have them, forge relationships that are mutually dependent where in very meaningful ways you're connected to one another and you let people in on your life and they let you in on their life and you help each other live the kingdom and encourage one another and and, and things of that sort because that way of living that's part of the road that leads to the kingdom right poor in spirit i can't do it on my own i need god i need you and that leads to eternal life all right, uh, the second one, I'm just going to quickly summarize, uh, very, very quickly, because I want to talk about the third one and hopefully get to the last one. Uh, so the second one is, is blessed are those who mourn. And we saw that mourning is about, uh, this, this uh, refers back to Isaiah, and it's the mourning of exiles who have lost everything, what's, what's most dear to them. And it's so it contrasts with the flesh mindset where we try to have it all right now. And we're very much at home in this world. And the mourning, if you live in a way where you mourn, you're giving, you've lost it all. We're not allowed to have any possessions, Jesus says. We, we've died to that. Uh, and we live as aliens in this world because our lifestyle stands out. Well, that leads, that's the road that leads to eternal life. Whereas the, the have-it-all mindset leads to the brokenness of the world. It leads to uh, all sorts of conflict and injustice in this world and all sorts of emptiness. That's uh, blessed are those who mourn. And then Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. Um, to be meek is you're, you're unassuming. Uh, you're not pretentious. You don't puff up. You, you don't try to impose your way on others. You're meek. And that contrasts with this mindset of the world, which is about control and having power and getting it your way. The meek will inherit the earth. Whereas those in a world where there's this flesh mindset everywhere, when folks are all trying to control the world, it leads to conflict, war, oppression, and all sorts of other negative things. That's the stench of death. The aroma of life is meekness. The stench of death is this oppression and, and this conflict. I learned something this week that I want to share with you. It doesn't have much to do with this sermon, but it's a really interesting piece, and I'll give it to you for free. So here it goes. Um, you know, Jesus says, the, the, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, we've we got to remember, we often forget this, but they didn't have a concept of a planet back then. Now that, the idea that we exist on a ball floating out in this huge space, that, 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 wasn't in their, their, that wasn't their world. When they say earth... When you read the earth in, in, uh, in the, the Bible, uh, the actual word is land. They didn't have a word for a planet. And many scholars hold, and I, I, I think they're right, that in a Jewish context, talking to Jewish folks, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the, the land, they know that he's talking about the promised land. They'll inherit the promised land, which we now know is not that geographical location. Uh, it's going to be the whole earth. But they were thinking, this, this promised land. Now, here's the thing, why this is important. And it doesn't have much to do with the, the message, but it's a really important 
point anyways, and I like to share stuff that excites me. So, uh, here's the thing. Um, I, I've said before how all of these Beatitudes turn the blessings and curses of the Old Testament upside down. If you read Deuteronomy 27, 28, part of the Old Covenant was God says, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you do, don't do this, well, then you're going to be judged. Well, Jesus takes those and he turns them all. The curses are the blessings, and the blessings are the curses. It's, it's crazy. It shows you that something's going on. And nowhere is that contrast between the Old and the New Testament more clear than on this statement. The meek will inherit the land, the promised land. Because ask yourself the question, how do they inherit the promised land back in the Old Testament? It wasn't by being meek, I'll tell you that. No, it was, they had this portrait of God saying, go and, and slaughter them all, and everything that breathes, and uh, all of that. It was barbarism, it was just bloodshed, uh, it, it was war. And it just shows you how, how the radical difference that, that's going on here. Now, there's reasons why they have that, and why God owned that, and, and what it shows, I think, is that, and this is what I'm working on in this book that I'm dealing with, that that's a negative object lesson. God is, with the law and the violence and the nationalism, showing how not to try to build the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. When Jesus shows up, he's talking to a people who have been on the losing side of that old covenant for 800 years. It hasn't been working for them. They haven't been seeing the blessings. So Jesus says, hey, ready to try a new thing? Well, here's the deal. Here's how you really inherit the land, by being meek. The opposite of what you did back then. And all of that is simply to say, when it comes to our picture of God, stick with Jesus. Uh, Focus on Jesus. Let Jesus define your picture of God 100%. When it comes to our marching orders about how we're to live, Stick with Jesus. In the New Testament, that's our marching orders. And the Old Testament is very important for understanding the New Testament, but our marching orders come from Jesus. And, and, and don't jump over him to start appealing to the violent parts just because you like him, which people are doing a lot these days. No, 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 that's a negative object lesson. All right, no extra charge for that little piece of wisdom. <laughs> now, here's the thing. The meek will inherit the land. If, if we live in a way that's meek, it's going to revolt against a fundamental aspect of, of the, this fallen world, which has the flesh mindset. Uh, in the fall, people are into, they have a love affair with power and a love affair with control. Uh, and we tend to admire folks who've got the power and got the control. We, try, we ourselves try to scrabble to try to get a crumb that falls from the master's table so we can have a little bit of power and a little bit of control. This election that we just got through with, thank God we just got through with it. It's all about people scrabbling to try to have a little bit of power so they can impose their superior will and superior morality on the world because everyone knows that the world would be a much better place if I was king. Yeah, so, because I've got all the right ideas. And see, this is how all the world thinks in, in this fallen mindset. If Barbara Streisand was right about the first beatitude, well, then tears for fears are right about the third beatitude. Everybody wants to rule. Everybody wants to rule the world. And that just breaks the world, doesn't it? Man, it, it, that just contributes to the fallenness of this world. Throughout the history of humanity, people, it's been this one-upmanship all the time. Who gets to be in charge? Who gets to have their way? Who's going to conquer who? And it goes around and around. And so I try to get power, and I beat up you. So then you try to get power, and you beat up me. And the, the, the oppressors are overthrown by the liberators who become the new oppressors who are overthrown by the liberators who become the new oppressors who are overthrown by the liberators. And around and around it goes. I hit you, you hit me twice, I hit you five times, you hit me ten times, I go after your kids, you go after my grandkids, and the spiral of violence and hostility goes off. And if you want a, a perfectly clear illustration of this, turn on your televisions and watch the news right now. Because it's tragic. See, this is the stench of death. The, this tit-for-tat, quid pro quo, you shoot a missile, I shoot a missile, and immediately we start saying, well, who's really at fault? And it just goes round and round and round and round. And you want to just say, hey, folks, 
Have you tried this before? I think you have. How's it working for you? Maybe you want to try something new. That's what Jesus is doing with this teaching that contrasts so strongly with the Old Testament. Let's try something new. And this mindset of the flesh trying to rule the world, it's behind our personal conflicts and our national conflicts and the war and violence. It's behind so much injustice in the world because the people who can get the power do get the power. And the more power you get, the more power you can get. The more wealth you can get, the more wealth you can get. Right? So then over time, the gap between the, the rich and the poor grows and, and we get massive injustice, a, a, a bizarre, bizarre world where you've got folks who lavish billions and billions of dollars on themselves because they really do need that seventh home. And, and it, it, that's in a world where you've got kids, 30,000 kids are going to starve to death today. It, it's gross. It's, that is the stench of death. When what's really the stench of death is that people don't notice how gross it is. Um, the conflict... And the isolation and the oppression and the injustice, all of that is the stench of death that reflects the natural consequences of living in the flesh. And it is an intrinsic judgment of God on that flesh mindset. But folks, followers of Jesus are to be the one tribe that understands our life is in sync with God and, and uh, we're aspiring to get our life in sync with reality and what's real. What's real is that God calls us to live with meekness. What's real is that we're to, to get all of our life from Christ, all of our worth from Christ. So we don't need to be puffing ourselves up. We don't need to be, be trying to rule the world. What's, what's real is that God is Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords, and we're to have a total trust in Him. And so we know that history doesn't belong to the power, breaker, the, the power brokers. Uh, we know that it doesn't belong to those who can you know, scrapple their way to the top and, and impose their will on others. We're to be the one tribe because we get all our life from God and we put our trust in God, we're, we're the tribe that can get off of that merry-go-round, that cycle, and say we opt out of that. And we're going to live in a meek way, in a servant way. Our job is to imitate Jesus. He had all the power in the universe, John 13. And what does he do? He puts a towel around his waist and gets on his knees and washes the dirty feet of his disciples who we know are going to betray him in a couple hours. And a few hours later, he dies for them. That's what you do when you have all the power. Now, we don't have all the power, thank God, but we've got a little bit of power, and the question is, what are we going to do with it? And our job is not to do what Caesar does with power, it's to do what Jesus does with power. And that is we get on our knees and we serve. Well, we use our say-so in ways that, that even, even if there are enemies, we serve them, we love them, we bless them. The kingdom is about bleeding. It's about uh, imitating the meekness of Jesus. It's about replicating Calvary. It's about washing people's feet. It's about dying for enemies. And the promise of God is that that way of living will lead to the eternal kingdom. That way of living is going to win. And that makes no sense whatsoever. None, if you're thinking in terms of the flesh. Zero sense. If you're meek, you get walked on. If you're meek, you're going to get killed. What are you, crazy? Turning the other cheek? Oh, good luck with that one. You'll lose. And you know what? In this world, we might lose. Or at least look like we're losing. But it looked like Jesus was losing on Good Friday. But Easter was coming. Right? And we know that there's an Easter that's coming to this entire cosmos. And so it may, it takes faith to live this way. It takes faith to live this way. But to trust that God is king and he's, he can do a good job of running the show and we don't need to try to do that. And so our, we just imitate and we trust that every act of love, every sacrifice you make, every drop of blood, every, everything that you did to serve and to, 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 to get off the merry-go-round of violence, it furthers the kingdom in this world. 
And it's, it's heading down the road that leads to a kingdom where there'll be nothing but meekness and nothing but servant love. And, uh, and that will, will, will in the end win the day. The stench of death is on the road of those who try to control. The aroma of life is with those who are meek. So I, we, I call on us to be a people who are meek, who are willing to wash the feet of people even if they betray us. And the final thing I want to say, I want to skip ahead down to the last beatitude. You've seen a pattern here. We could apply it with all of the beatitudes. And by the way, I'm going to put all the notes. If I did all this work, I got to do something with it. So I'm going to put all the notes online, and uh, you can get the whole sermon that way. But the last thing is Jesus says, uh, Blessed are you when you're persecuted. If I can find my notes here. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Um, for yours, again, is the kingdom of God. I think Jesus puts this last because he's saying that if you, if you live this way, well, you're going to be persecuted. And the reason is because you're going to stand out. So what we have here is we have the kingdom uh, life is about being willing to be persecuted because you stand out, you're different. And see, that contrasts with what we call popularity seeking. We're to be aliens in this world. We don't belong. We know that this isn't our place. So contrast with the flesh mindset where everyone wants to be the, on the inner part of the tribe, if not honored by the tribe, popularity with the tribe. You know, people look up to you in the tribe. You're the hero of the tribe. And see, the life that involves persecution leads to the kingdom of heaven because you're imitating Jesus, whereas that mindset of popularity seeking, it contributes to the brokenness of the world and it has the stench of death. And the stench is xenophobia and the stench is all the conflict that we have. You see, part of the aspect of the flesh is that um, there's a tribalism that is just ingrained in us, in our fallen condition. This tribalism where we have an us-them mindset. And it is just part of the fallen nature where uh, if you're not part of us, well then, you might be against us. There's a suspicion if you look different, if you dress different, if your skin color is different, if, you, if your music is different, your culture is different. There's a suspicion that maybe you're against us. There's this us-them, a hostility that is there. It's, it's xenophobia. Xenophobia is just the fear of anyone who's different. It doesn't look like they belong. And so we see them as threats. Or people that we don't understand, we see as a threat. It worries us. It's not part of our tribe. And so you have, throughout history, this mindset has been contributing to the brokenness of the world in terrible, terrible ways. This mindset has, uh, is what's, why, why gays have been persecuted throughout history in almost all cultures. The majority are heterosexual, and you just can't understand that. that you just don't have any peg to put that on. So it's weird. And, and so it, 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 we tend to scapegoat on the people who are different. Blame them for the problems of society. You see? And it, 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 it's behind all the persecution that we've had throughout history and behind all the racism we've had throughout history and all the genocide and all the discrimination. And all of that's a natural consequence of living in the flesh, which is also a judgment of God. It's the stench of death of those who are heading down a road of death kingdom people, we are to manifest an alienness in this world by putting on the exact opposite mindset. We are to be the tribe that understands. As we get our heart in sync with God's heart and our worldview in sync with what is real, we're to be the, the tribe that understands that the beautiful diversity of humanity is a reflection of God's creativity. And it's, rather than being something to be that the, see as a threat, it's something that's to be celebrated. Amen? And, and, and we're to be the tribe that understands that, that the kingdom of God is, is about uh, taking the beautiful diversity and, and knowing that, that Jesus died. It says in Ephesians 2, I love this passage. He died to tear down the wall of hostility. 
He t- they're on the wall of separation. And so in the kingdom, there is to be no more divisions between people. In the kingdom, we're to be embracing the diversity and celebrating the diversity and learning from, one of the, uh, from the diversity and, and letting the different ways of worship begin to teach us how to broaden our, our, our views of worship. We are to anticipate the coming kingdom when people from every tribe and every throne and every tongue and every nation are going to come together in their beautiful diversity and put on display the multifaceted glorious uh, glory of God. And the glory is found in the diversity and the difference. Amen. Amen. In fact, we're to be a people who have a special love. Look at what Jesus... He had a special love for the alien, for the outsider, for the oppressed, for the marginalized, for the judged. He went to them most. And so we're to have an eye, especially for those who are on the outside, who don't think that they're part of us. We're to have an us that's all-inclusive. Which means we draw down the us-them thing. The us-them applies to the principalities and powers. The enemies are the fle- not, never flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers. And so our us, God has a bear hug around humanity, all right? He's saying, I'll lay all you in free. Because of the cross, he's pulling them in. So if our heart is in sync with God's heart, we have an embrace, an ali ali in free. And we're to look at everybody and consider them insiders. Even if they consider themselves outsiders, we love them into the kingdom, amen? And we put our arms around them and we put an end to the xenophobia. And as we do that, folks, we ought to be alien. If you live the kingdom life, the distinct life, the values of of the kingdom manifested in how you spend your money and time and whatever, it's going to stand out. And it can lead to persecution. Not in our culture so much physical persecution, though that's still going on all around the world. But but just, it's weird. And that's this threat to folks. It just doesn't make sense. What? You're spending half of your Christmas income on folks you don't know? Rather than your own kids. What's wrong with you? I love some of the stories I hear from folks at Williams Church as, as friends and relatives. Notice the weirdness. Like, what, what? You gave your car away? You could have used that car. Yeah, but the other person needed it more. What is with you? And see, that either invites folks into the kingdom or it repels them. And if it repels them, be okay with that. Be okay with that. In fact, rejoice, the Bible says. Because it's an indication that you're on the right road. The road that leads to the kingdom of God. Amen? Beatitudes, they're beautiful beatitudes, man. The aroma of life. I call on us to stop smelling like death and let's smell like life. Put off the aroma of life, all right? In a world that smells like death so much, so much destruction, all of that, we're to be aroma of life. Not in any kind of prideful way or anything, but in the humble, meek way that we live and just, man, bring that odor everywhere. All right. I call on us to go and smell up the world in a beautiful way. So I want to end in prayer. Will the prayer teams come forward here? And if you have any need whatsoever, uh, to, I encourage you to pray with these folks. That's what they're here for. And everything you share is held in absolute confidence till the day they die. So uh, you, can, you can trust that. Abba, Father, we love you. Thank you for this morning. How refreshing. Thank you for the joy and the freedom that we have in you. Thank you, God, for your spirit dwelling here. And Lord, as we leave this place, will you help us to smell nice? Uh, help us, Lord God, to uh, have uh, all of our life from Christ and therefore let go and be free and uh, uh, just to live in a distinct way that puts forth your beauty that look like the attributes of the Beatitudes on the road that leads to everlasting life. In Jesus' name and all the good-smelling people said, amen. God bless you guys. Go up and smell the world.